Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Good morning, and indeed, there is a war for our souls more than we can imagine. Father God, we thank you for this day that you are in control, that you're the God of life. You're the one who keeps us alive. Lord, I pray that you'd secure this line, these lines, these phone lines, this radio, waves, air, the blog, Father, everything that has to do with the communication of your truth through us, through Rescue Radio this morning, Father God. Give us clear minds. I pray that the listeners would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand, as you would give all of us your wisdom. I thank you, Lord God, that you tuck each one into the safety of the palm of your hand, because that's the only place that we are ever safe. I thank you for our guest. I thank you, Lord God, for giving us um, wisdom and insight through her today. I thank you, Father God, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. I thank you, Jesus, that you've already done the big part. The work of salvation has been done and finished, Lord God. And the the place of peace, the place of rest, the place of hope comes from faith and believing your, in, in your faithfulness and your promises, Lord. I pray that each one today would be drawn to listen as they would be uh, drawn by your spirit to receive, to receive help and deliverance. I thank you. You've given us power over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt us, Lord God. And even when he is trying to hurt us, he can't because you protect us, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you have given us divine promises of protection and that you would also protect our families and those who work for us and pray for us and love us and have come to us for help over the years. That you cover and keep each one of us, Lord God, in our words, our conversations, our relationships, our communications, our thoughts, even our internal dynamic biological organs, frequencies, and the workings of our inner being. Father God, that the enemy cannot get in to manipulate, to block out, to shut down, to um, short-circuit, to create craziness, frenzy, panic, fear, terror, and dread. I thank you, Lord, for sound, as we said, a sound mind, a sound body, sound faith and confidence in you. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd, that you are the faithful witness, that you are the counselor, and that you give us your wisdom now as we ask for and seek it in Jesus' name. Father, we ask these things. Amen. Welcome to our show today, and the name of our show is Anxiety and Panic Attacks. So, um, hey, Joanne, are you there? I'm here. All right, sweetheart. Can Sorry you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. We you know, we are under attack here. Our electricity went off during the night, so I know <laughs> Satan doesn't want me to be on your show today. Oh, and what is new is is old, isn't it? What is new is old with yeah. him. He's never he's got nothing going on but the same old, same old. Yeah, I actually had a dream before I woke up this morning about panic attacks and doing this show. And the basic concept was um, uh, fear uh, and the terror, the fear, the dread of of having a panic attack. And then the desperate desire to control it or to pr- keep it from happening. But before we go into all that because I think God was just trying to help me get up to speed. Because technically, I've never had a panic attack, but I know you know about panic attacks. And so, um, first of all, why don't you give us a little background about yourself, you know, and just kind of why we should listen to you (laughs) while you're on this show, kind of. And then I would like you to describe for me um, what a panic attack 
feels like, what it looks like. Okay, first of all, who are you? Well, my name is Joanne Smith, and I'm a writer and photographer who is very interested in uh, writing about fear because I've experienced fear my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I think that I notice people who are having fear and panic probably because of that. But there is so much fear in our society now as Mm -hmm. we head into these end times that um, I think it's important for us to to look around and see who are these people that are having panic attacks around us. Now, I worked in the medical field, so I saw a lot of people in panic, mm-hmm. and I would hear a lot of people going into the ER mm-hmm. believing that they were having a heart attack. Uh-huh. Now, a few of them were, but the majority mm-hmm. of people that are sent home from the ER on any given night they are really having a panic attack, and the medical field doesn't have a whole lot to offer other than um, Xanax or you know some medication, medication that yeah. will help you be calmed down. Mm-hmm. Now that's not a long-term answer, right? right. I think yeah, what happens to people is it, that matches your dream is that panic becomes something that you just hate. I don't ever want to feel this again, so I'm going to do everything I can to keep from feeling this. Right, or to control it, keep it from happening. Right. So -hmm. there are a lot of ways people do that, and one of them is if I have a panic attack at the drugstore, I don't go back to the drugstore. If I have a panic attack at the bank, I don't go back to the bank, and my world gets smaller and smaller. If I go Mm -hmm. to church... I sit on the edge in the back so that should I have a panic attack, I can leave. Um, those are the ways that. What if you have I a have panic attack? People. What if you have a panic attack in bed when you're waking up in the morning? Anxiety, panic. Well, then I'm avoid the bed. That that's what it does come down to eventually. Uh-huh. Your world mm-hmm. becomes smaller and smaller, mm-hmm. and then eventually you realize that my world isn't safe anywhere. Ooh, I just yeah. am not safe because, um, and I really don't know why at first, because I haven't really heard. Right. right. You haven't maybe recognized. my panic attacks. Right. No. You mean the source of them. Like you don't recognize what's the lie or the root of it. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I'm talking about the fact that in our minds, mm-hmm. Panic gets triggered, and we don't know that at first. We don't know that what we're thinking has anything to do with having a panic attack. Or fear or anything. Yeah, we just kind of, I guess what you're saying is we just kind of are taken by surprise. We don't deal with it as, and surely we don't deal with it as a spirit um, that comes in to try to mess with it. Right, so we, we have the physical symptoms of a panic attack, sometimes they are, I can't breathe, mm-hmm. get me out of here, mm-hmm. my chest hurts, I think I, I think I must be dying, get mm-hmm. me out of here. Mm-hmm. So I want to run away from from this intense well, feeling. It must be a terrible thing because if you're feeling like you can't breathe, and I think um, not only anxiety and panic, but also you get your 
asthmatic reactions and, you know, you're right. grabbing right. and grasping for air and reaching for your inhaler or whatever you're doing. I think one of the one of the most, maybe I'm wrong, but you can, one of the common symptoms of a panic attack probably for is that fear of imminent death because I can't breathe, I'm suffocating or I'm, you know, basically I can't breathe or I can't move. Is that true? Or people like a, will say, I feel like somebody's sitting on my chest. Yeah, yep, a paralysis where you, yeah, exactly. And a lot of people don't attribute any of that to demonic activity or spiritual activity. They just think everything is in their paradigm of explanations and, and answers to problems. They never put the devil in the equation in their world because they're not really taught to do that in this world system. In this world view, there is no devil although he runs the whole thing. Isn't that kind of ironic? But so they um, don't consider that. It could be a demonic spirit sitting on their chest. Uh, yep. or a, Yeah, exactly. And um, so so going into the symptoms, the, the scenarios kind of the... So when a person is in that place, like you're talking about, they're suffocating, they're terrified, they can't breathe, there's eminent fear of death, paralysis, helplessness. They kind of freak out, don't you think? I mean, wouldn't you think you just kind of... Has anybody been in that place? Just kind of freak out. You just like lose all sense of uh, where you're at, or reality, or or life, or you just kind of freak out. You lose it, so to speak, right? Right. If anybody saw the show Gold Rush last Friday night, there was mm-hmm. a young, oh, 22 year old woman who was going to run the the big equipment, and she had run smaller equipment before but now they put her in this big equipment and they put her on the edge of a hill and I heard her say you know I'm afraid of heights as Mm -hmm. she got into it more and more Mm -hmm. suddenly she freaked out to the point that she couldn't talk she couldn't breathe they had to take her out of the machine and of course they took her to the ER Mm -hmm. where they probably gave her medications and sent Mm -hmm. her home Mm -hmm. now that was triggered by previous thoughts that she had had. I'm afraid of heights. I don't think yeah. I can do this. What if mm-hmm. I'm not going to make it? Mm-hmm. But nobody there seemed to realize mm-hmm. how they could possibly have dealt with the situation. Right. Yeah, I don't know the show, but hey, uh, just pausing for a second. If anybody's got any questions for Joanne today, our number is 347 347- Two one five eight zero five one. I'll say that again. Three four seven two one five eight zero five one. And I really believe that this is a very common thing. It's kind of hidden. People don't talk about it. They don't come out and talk in conversation about their panic attacks because somehow they feel like there's something wrong with them, or they should have been able to manage it better, or it was just ridiculous that this little thing, you know, got them so so afraid. But really, it's not that at all. It's, it's yeah, we attribute it to a circumstance, but it comes from, as you kind of alluded to, this girl was afraid of heights. So the first fear was the fear of heights, and that lie, uh, trauma, had never been dealt with. And so now she's put in a position where you're combining heights with being watched and being filmed and new experience, heavier equipment, and... Um, all that pressure on her caused her to go become anxious, which means that you're basically not thinking clearly. You don't know what to do. I, I mean, yeah, you I lose think your what confidence. Is you start what ifing. What mm-hmm. if I allow this mm-hmm. equipment to fall over the edge of the hill? They'll be so mad at me, that sort of thing. I mm-hmm. think the major thing we want to point out here is that we are now buying into 
the fight or flight response yep. that God built into our body. Right. Well, so this actually, is a perfectly normal mm-hmm. thing that God put into us so that we could get out of the way of a car that we suddenly realize is about to mm-hmm. hit us. Mm-hmm. But, but we're being triggered into an abnormal response to that. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting that God gave us some of these uh, gifts, uh, the ability, the fight and flight system, the general adaptation system, the hypothalamus is in the center of our brain, and that's kind of the decoding, interpreting center where all the stimuli from the external world gets processed in your head, and then it's determined to be whether it's dangerous or safe. And so if it's considered dangerous and the alarm is sounded, that hypothalamus then sends all that information, danger, 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 down into your system, your physical systems, through your chemical systems, your uh, endocrine system, and your nervous system. And so what happens is your body then is preparing itself for the the crash or the flight or whatever, you know, uh, is going to happen. And so what happens biologically, just generally speaking, I'm not a doctor, but is that the things that are needed to be equipped with blood supply, energy, oxygen to keep you safe, like your limbs, your heart, your eyes dilate, your pupils get bigger, you see better, you hear better, you run faster, the adrenaline starts to pump to get you out of the way or to outrun the, the whatever it is or outlift it or whatever it is. So your body is, and, and all that then, all that energy is going to survival, immediate, eminent, the process, the possibility of death. So nothing is being sent to other organs, like for example, your digestive system, which basically the body is saying, you don't need to digest food right now. We need to have that blood over here. We need to have that oxygen over here. And so, but that's called a fight and flight. That's good. But here's the problem. The good thing is when the, when the danger is passed, you kind of, you know, give a sigh of relief, collapse, whatever you do. Thank God. Um, you're traumatized because, boy, like you don't don't ever want to do that again. Um, people who've been in car accidents, rear-ended, you know, whatever, they, they kind of are very leery of doing those things again. But at the same time, when the danger is passed, then your your system goes back to homeostasis or balance. However, Joanne, I believe this that when the anxiety is never identified, it's not a car that's racing towards you or a uh, you know, a, a lion that's chasing you. It when it when it really is never identified and it's never determined to be now safe because it went away, or it's gone, or it's over, um, and your body stays in that constant subconscious state of fight and flight. That is that creates a generalized anxiety that everything now becomes uh, a possible enemy or or danger. And then when you're living in that constantly, like it's, it kind of all boils down, doesn't it? It's kind of boils down to it's up to me to keep myself safe. And when the danger never goes away, yeah. you're never done keeping yourself safe. So then what happens? Well, I think what happens is that in the back of your mind, you hold on to that. And you mm-hmm. say, this, nobody is taking care of me but me. Right. And so... I have to keep myself safe because I'm afraid I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think fear of death is the key issue. Bottom line. Yeah, it's the bottom line. Eminent death. Eminent means immediate, no way around it. 
And even though it may not be and only one who can really allow our lives to be taken is the Lord himself, but the devil can surely make you feel like you're going to die any second, and especially if you can't breathe. Because, I mean, we need air immediately. I mean, air is essential. I mean, you can go a lot without food for a minute. You can go without water for a minute. But when you have no air, that's eminent. That's immediate. And, and what's the like you just said, it's up to me to take care of myself. I have got to be in control. Now, to make sure that I live, make sure I get my air, my breath. my. But if there's somebody bigger than me sitting in my chest and I can't see it and I don't recognize it as a spirit and I don't resist it, I don't rebuke it, what do I do? How do I handle that? I think you just lay there in panic for a long time. And then mm-hmm. you say to yourself, I don't ever want to feel this again. So mm-hmm. you desperately try anything you can think of mm-hmm to not get yourself back into a situation like that. Right, as if you put yourself in that situation in the first place. But I really believe it's the enemy putting people on a torture rack, the torture rack between the trauma, the fear. I mean, he sets up the scenario. He sits on your chest. He deprives you of the oxygen, whatever. And so there's that terror, that fear, that fear of imminent death. And then the resolve on the other side of that, a second demon brings the the solution to the first problem, which is, I've got to take care of myself, make sure I avoid that, don't ever do that again, um, grab my inhaler, make sure I have it with me all the time. We get really dependent on whatever we think it is that will keep us alive, whatever it is. If it's anything from using it, and I'm not saying people shouldn't use inhalers. If you don't have a deliverance, you're going to need the crutches. If, you, if your leg hasn't been healed yet, you're still going to need a crutch or a wheelchair. But once you get healed, you surely don't want to live the rest of your life with a crutch if you don't have right. to. So I think people need, I had, I talked to a guy just real recently. Um, he had asthma attacks or yeah, not exactly panic, but you know, I suppose it's the beginning of a panic attack when you have asthma attack and you can't breathe. So you're going to go into that place of, you know, dying or fear of death. So he grabbed out his inhaler and I said to him, he says, I was talking to him about spiritual things. And um, I asked the Lord to show him where he first couldn't breathe, where he first experienced that inability to breathe. Well, the Lord immediately took him, took him back to his birth, and he was born premature. He was so tiny, he said, now he's a big guy, but he was so tiny he could fit him in the palm of a hand, an adult hand. And, cause his, and so obviously his lungs were not fully developed when you're, the, I don't know how many months or weeks he was, but he he was tiny. And so his lungs are not usually, they're not usually developed till towards the end. Is that correct? I mean, fully developed. And so, of course, he couldn't breathe. And I suppose they put him in all kinds of things, and I didn't get into that. But the problem is, when he began to experience subconsciously, not knowing there's spiritual warfare, not knowing there's an assignment out for his life, that experiencing he cannot breathe, what is he going to begin to believe? I can't breathe. I'm going to die. If I can't breathe, I'm going to die. And so there you have it. Now he's in an agreement with I can't. And so the I can't breathe is never, that's a spirit that's to agree with the lie. I can't breathe. I'm going to die. And so now from that point on, you know, even as a child, he said he was, he has had, he had asthma attacks. I don't think people realize how, how the enemy conditions us, even in the womb, even in, a, in the birth process, even in the early years of our life, to get to write into us a program of fear and on the one hand, fear, fear of dying, can't breathe, whatever. And then 
on the other side of that, right, it's up to me to take care of myself. So now the devil's got me on the torture rack because it's up to me to save my life when I can't save my life because I can't breathe. So it's an irresolvable right. conflict. So I think I that think, there's other um, other people that perhaps were a large baby and got stuck in the birth canal. Oh yeah. Or had the cord wrapped around their neck. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they are also going to be dealing with this. I can't breathe. Uh huh. Yep. Exactly. And um, who knows what happened in the womb? Some of them maybe their oxygen levels were uh, limited or pinched or whatever. Uh, only, but but but. In the process of all that, I asked him, I said, well, what happened? What's the truth? What do you know? Where was Jesus, the Son of God, when you were born tiny like that? Um, and, and, well, obviously, he was there. Um, how do you know that? Well, because you didn't die. And so even though you felt like you were going to die and you agreed with the spirit of asthma, which I think would eventually work into a panic attack for some people, um, Jesus was there, so the truth is you didn't die. And so who kept you alive then? Well, it wasn't you. It wasn't your clever thinking. It wasn't your your fast action. It was the Lord himself who made the the declaration. I think that really, really, Joanne, goes right back to all of this panic attack stuff, all circles right down to the root of it's up to me. It's up to me to take care of my own life. And I think people become super anxious. And that's the whole Bible is about... um, uh, the Bible says in Rome, uh, uh, Philippians, um, be, anxi- uh, be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, yeah. Yeah, 4, 6, and 8. Yeah. Be anxious for nothing. Well, how do you do that? Only if well, you know see, that's that you're... The thing. I don't think that most people realize that this is a spiritual problem. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they they believe it's a, some kind of medical thing or mm-hmm. my mind mm-hmm. is just doing this to me. Mm-hmm. I think probably the first step is to realize this is a war between Satan and God mm-hmm. fighting over me. Mm-hmm. And Satan wants me dead and God wants me to live. And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it yeah, comes exactly. to a point of admitting well, that, that mm-hmm. demons are real and that Satan... For instance, with this man you're talking about, we mm-hmm. have to come to a point of realizing that it wasn't just me and my mom and my dad. I was mm-hmm. born into a world where God was real and Satan was real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, yeah. in this culture nowadays, we, we yep. don't want to admit that. Why? Why don't we want to admit that there's a demonic force out to kill us? And why oh, are we so avoiding are that? We don't want to think about icky demons. Oh, well, then why do Plus, we practice Halloween? We powerless, you know? Why do we practice Halloween, then? We love icky. Oh, why do we do that? Who's doing that? Would the Lord God, would the sons and daughters of God want to do that? Practice icky, horror, terror, fear, dread? <clears throat> it's kind of like there's everything out there. But I like what you said, that we don't put, it's like we don't put the devil in this equation of life. But the thing is, um, it, it, and, and yet, and, and in the world, the world, we have so much of the world view of life. We take so much from right. the world and yet not realizing the world uh, philosophy was established by Satan himself. Uh, but that we have kind of several, okay, it's it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a mental thing. Uh, maybe it's a, a, a mo, uh, an emotional thing. or And then maybe there's a spiritual thing. And then there's a medical thing. 
And if it's a medical thing, we give medical, physical problems, medical profession, um, all that. We give them such uh, uh, worship and they're, prof- they're professionals and they know what they're talking about. And so we don't consider that our medical, our physical bodies, our turf, that the enemy can wage his battle on just as much as out there in the bushes and the and the, and the hills and the, and the valleys and the mountains of wherever. You know, your respiratory system, for example, can be a battleground, your lungs. And then I asked this guy, I asked him, I says, oh, I says, do you have anybody in your family that had lung problems, going back to the fact that his lungs were poorly, poorly developed? He says, oh, yeah, he says, my dad and my grandpa, and he went all the way back to wherever. They're all, they all had trouble breathing, pneumonia, all kinds of things like that going on. And I said, oh, well, see, I said, it's easy for the enemy to do that to your lungs because he had already done that in the generations past. And so you see, again, a pattern of bringing down the sins of the fathers onto the children. Nobody knew about it. Nobody figured it was even a problem. It was just normal that some people had medical, you know, sickness is just normal. Uh, And so we don't address it as a spiritual problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And even if you went to a counselor believing it was an emotional problem, they are not normally going to address it as a spiritual problem. Exactly. Why not? Because there are rules, right? There are rules. You can't talk about God. You can't talk about the devil uh, in a counseling session because there are gatekeepers that will throw you in some sort of problem, trouble, uh, bring you before right. some magistrate if you don't keep the rules of this Western uh, worldview. And I'm not saying right. in every country of the world they have this because I think in many countries they really know the devil truly does exist. Um, and they deal with it. But in our country, we're so sophisticated, and it's a medical problem. And so we give them a medical solution, which actually makes it worse, because I know people who are getting on these um, medications. Like I said, they can be crutches. They can be temporarily. um, They seem to be helpful, but that's the problem, because then you think you have to have them, and you don't get past it psychologically, spiritually, emotionally. You don't get past the lie. Uh, And then you're dependent upon something that is actually... You know, you're trading a good effect for a bad effect because it's doing maybe something to do something p- sort of positive in your body to release you from, you know, whatever. But on the other side, you're trading he- your health. But interesting, I just thought of this. God has also given us a lot of natural, God-given, organic herbs, medicines, remedies that he's created, like to open up nasal passages, to open up airways, breathing ways, and... um to create in people an ability to breathe. I'm just thinking of one, Typhu. It's, 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 it's an oil, essential oil of some sort. And boy, I tell you, that stuff works great. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, even, some of these things that you think are just not even, like even last night, I hardly ever get any problems. I had a little stuffiness going on in my right ear. And I, I took a, I had made a tincture of Creeping Charlie way back when. I took about, hmm, I don't know, five, six drops of Creeping Charlie, held it under my tongue for about 12 seconds, boom. The, the stuffiness is totally gone. I mean, it's, I know. These are remedies God has given, and it doesn't hurt my body. You know, it actually right. you know, benefits your body in probably other ways. You're probably getting minerals in there. You're probably getting, just think of all the nutrients and all that stuff. But So going back to the panic attacks, now, I know you've done a lot of writing on it, and you've done a lot of praying about it, and actually ministered to a lot of people who have had panic attacks. Um, 
what you know what do you see needs to be done to help them because like you, t- you were, we were talking a while back that when they come to a website for example they don't have time to read you know 20 pages on panic attacks they just need an instant situation or uh to they need something immediately what how would we help that person to teach them spiritual warfare for themselves and their own body if they can't maybe read something or get a hold of a website or they don't have the focus to concentrate because you're dying right now. You don't have time to do. What is the quickest thing that they can do just right then without having to connect with anybody else except maybe Jesus? What would you suggest? I think that what they're searching for is comfort and peace. Mm-hmm. And they don't they don't even really honestly believe that they could ever have joy in their life again. Yeah. They I think they're just believing I'm just gonna hold on until I die. Mhm. Life is difficult and then you die. Right. Would right. be their mantra. Mhm. Mhm. And you accomplish nothing. Um part of the problem is their image of God. Okay. You know, we have the word, and and there's a lot of comforting scriptures, but we have this culture that is so into evolution, reincarnation, new age, that they, from from the time they were tiny, Mm-hmm. have been programmed by Satan to believe that God is mad at them, God is crabby, right. God mm-hmm. isn't going to give them what they want, mm-hmm. um, and I'm all alone. Well, so, even in the church, Joanne, we, we have that mixture of grace and good works, and God's mad and keep the commandments, and if you don't, you know, big baseball bat's going to come out of the sky, and if you get in trouble, it's because you sinned, and it's your fault, and you're guilty. And It's really a demonic judgment that we that the enemy is permitted to put on us because we believe we're guilty and we did something wrong and God's met. But then it gets projected back onto God that he's the one that did this because we still believe somehow that the law is a part of our salvation. The law has been completely satisfied by the blood of Jesus. But So you're saying even in, in, our, in our society, and I'm saying add to that the church, all the teaching we have is somehow it's up to me and God is mad at me. So... Two lies right there. I'm on my own. I'm alone. And that's terrifying in itself. Yeah. And where can I find help? Because God is mad at me. You know, in I, in, uh, I, in Proverbs, it says, I just got to read this real quick. And, and it's uh, chapter 12 in Proverbs twelve twenty five. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. So if a good word makes your heart glad and is an antidote for anxiety, fear, fear of rejection, fear of being alone, fear of whatever, um, that if a good report will is an antidote for anxiety, then what are all the evil negative newscasts and negative reports and fear-mongering uh, that goes on not only in our media but also in our relationships, in our workplace, um, in school, uh, everything is based on performance. Everything is based on grades. Everything is based on striving. And there's no rest. There's no being okay. There's just no being okay. Yep. I'm not okay with myself because, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I was raised in the church, I was raised under 
the admonition of Sunday school teachers who said, you know, if you do that, God's going to be mad at you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and so what's a kid to do? You're, you know, and then you go home and your parents, you probably you don't know what kind of parents you got. You got maybe you've got awful parents and you don't know it. Maybe you've got nice parents, or maybe you've got awful parents and don't know it until you go to your friend's house and see some no- normal people who ra- are raising children. And and yet, right. what can you do? You're trapped. And so, how many children? I mean, are terrified, um, hide out in their rooms, walk on eggshells, um, and or on the other hand, they run away from home. They rebel. Maybe they're being abused mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually, psychologically. They they finally take the desperate move. Kids on the streets, for example, they decide, I know this is a little off the subject, but they probably have decided it's safer, more likely chance of being able to live to by getting away from their home, food, clothing, and shelter, and go to the streets than it is to stay in the place where supposedly it looks like they have food, clothing, and shelter because of the anxiety, the ir- the um, the evil reports, and yet they are beginning to believe, I am bad, I had it coming, it's my fault. Um, and so when you go to this situation of panic and anxiety, you're, it's, just, it's just a final, you know, it's the final stage, I think, of anxiety. You know, finally, the yeah. depression, trying yeah. to solve the sadness, the loneliness, it's up to me, it's my fault, I'm not okay, um, who's going to love me, blah, blah, blah. All that causes depression because... You don't know how to solve the anxiety because anxiety is feeling overwhelmed on the one side with having all these mandates and things I have to do. And on the other side, I'm confused because I don't even know where to start. So you put those two together, mm-hmm. and you, they, they have anxiety, which shuts down I, your systems. Now, if it's going to shut down your system, you know, what happens when you unplug something or you're, you blow a fuse in your circuits, in your electricity, in your home? Everything goes black. And I believe in our yep. neurological systems, our respiratory system, all these things. Ultimately, everything that's going on spiritually in, in your world outside of you replicates as being able, the enemy is able to replicate or repeat that pattern on a miniature scale inside of you. So panic, shutting down, can't breathe, your cells are rigid, there's religion, rigidity, perfection, performance. Uh, self-hatred. Maybe there's an agreement with death. I don't deserve to live. I wish I were dead. I hate my life. I don't want to be here. Oh, my goodness. When you start making agreements like that and don't resist. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil. He will flee. How how are people going to learn? Yeah. Go ahead. See, that's the thing. People don't even realize that they have any authority over the devil. So they don't know how. They were never taught how to resist the devil. I do Mm -hmm. think that the most helpful thing that we can start with Mm -hmm. is to go to the scripture where Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. That speaks to their heart. Mm -hmm. Yes. He he was very aware, I think, of the fear and the anxiety. Um, And he said, uh, let's see, I think it's in Luke. I'm just going to look it up, 1229, where he says, um, you know, he's talking about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Um, uh, don't worry, don't fear, you know, food, clothing, shelter, that sort of thing. Your heavenly Father knows what you have need of even before you ask him. And so, um, yeah, but see, I, I think we don't believe that God really cares that much about our food, clothing, and shelter and what's really going on. And so we still are kind of convinced, well, 
He's there sometimes, not all the time. Um, yeah, and I I also think that we're thinking that if I can just make it through this life, at some point I will be good enough to get into heaven. And at yeah. the end of my life, if I can just live through this, uh, hopefully God will feel sorry for me enough <laughs> that he'll let me in. Wow. In spite of the fact that I don't even re- really know him. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the simplest thing. He is very compassionate. He says in Luke twelve twenty nine. Um, uh, let's see. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, if then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the fire or the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not be do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I believe God knows that we are no match for the devil. I don't ever think he intended for us to be a match for the devil. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us so we are not alone and to be of anxious mind. When we're tempted to be anxious, and we are tempted, the spirit of anxiety or fear or panic will come after people, especially if they don't know, like you said, the love of God, the goodness of God. And to really be in God's flock is so simple. It's just simply saying, yes, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. You took care of that sin debt I could not pay. I believe you ha- your heart towards me is good, that you have a place for me in heaven, and I want to be there with you. Uh, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you did it. And therefore, I don't have to do it. But now we're still in this messy, terrible, terrifying, hostile, dangerous world. So God is assuring his little flock again, saying, don't be of anxious mind. I've got it. I, you know how he said, um, he'd go after the little lost sheep, the one that was, you know, the 99 that were okay. He'd leave them and go after the one. He'd seek right. and save that which is lost. He, you know, he's not willing that any should perish. Uh, it's the long suffering of God that brings him into repentance. I believe he realizes how good of a job the devil has done in concealing his demonic activity within the hearts and minds of people. And I believe for so long, we have been preached a counterfeit gospel or a partial gospel, if you want to call it that, that doesn't allow us to understand the depth of God's love for us, even to the place of healing, uh, delivering and healing our, our respiratory system. Get the demon of fear, terror. He's the one. When you were little, if people will go to that place, Joanne, where if they'll let the Lord, who is the faithful witness, who saw everything, take them back to that right. place like this man did. And show him, you know what, after I prayed for him and um, God showed him the truth, the truth is that he was there and that he's not going to die and that God's got it, and we confess the sins of the generations, he said to me, he says, no, I don't need this anymore. That inhaler that he had, you know, used just five minutes to, he said, I don't need this anymore. And as we were, you know, during the rest of the, uh, he was at church and during the rest of the time, I could hear him still wheezing over on the other side. I thought, wheezing, I forgot. The spirit of wheezing, that's that kind of, uh, I don't know what wheezing, it's kind of like mucus in your lungs or something like that. Yeah, I, I just yeah. prayed for him. I said, I take the sword of God's word and I separate the spirit of wheezing. And uh, you could say we, wheezing and what he does, mucus buildup or 
you know, too much liquid or water or whatever, pneumonia, whatever, in the lungs. I separate you from him because that sword, it's very simple. It's, a, it's an act of faith. It's not magic. It's not a magic wand. But the word of God is able to separate in it, on three levels. The body from the, it says, the, is able to separate even to the dividing of bone and marrow, thought and intention, soul and spirit. So it can separate on the level of the, of the physical, uh, of the bone from the marrow. It can separate out cancer from a bone. It can separate out wheezing from a lung. Uh, it can separate thought from intention. It can separate out that perverted thought from you and your mind and your thought. It can separate your soul from your spirit. In other words, you can discern what is coming out of your soul, which is basically uh, programmed by Satan, or what's coming out of your spirit, which is programmed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants us, as his, as followers of Jesus, to use the software of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Follow me, Jesus said. He didn't say, be good and be perfect or you're going to have trouble. He said, um, follow me. Now, when he did say to the woman, and this, can I just bring this in? I just read this the other day. She was the woman taken in adultery. And when all was said and done and she got up off the ground and she felt better and the guys didn't stone her, Jesus said, go and sin no more lest a worse thing had come upon you. So what he was saying was, you know, we read that, we say, oh, yeah, well, that's why she was in trouble, because she was sinning. And God was the one who, you know, was, you know, going to judge her and deal with it, and that's why she was, you know, getting into But who rescued her? Was it the devil, or was it God who rescued her that day? Interesting. It was yeah. Jesus. And so Jesus was saying to her, <clears throat> Go and sin no more. Don't give the devil any more cause to present his case against you before my father to uh, to put pressure on my father to judge you or to, to let the devil bring a demonic judgment on you and then make it look like it's my father's fault. Don't give place to the devil. Don't sin. Don't Because sin is really the behavior that comes out of the lie. So stop believing the lie. So what was the lie that woman believed? I believe it was a lie about her identity. I'm, an, I'm a harlot. I'm an adulteress. Uh, my life is lost. It's gone. I'm, I'm ruined. Um, I, I, I've lost my holiness. And so what's the point of living? And that's where a lot of people are. What's the point of living? I'm, I'm ruined. Um, and then that just sort of seeps down into their, their, uh, their life, their, their breathing, their heart, their, uh, you know, all the organs of their body are affected by the judgments of the evil one. Does that make sense? Right. And so I think the next scripture that uh, is, helpful to people is to say that Jesus said, my father and I will come and take up our abode with you. We have felt so alone. We have felt Mm. like it's up to me because nobody in the world cares about me. But once you totally buy into what Jesus is saying, my father and I are going to come and be with you. And you start to realize I have a spirit, and my spirit knows his spirit. Those are life-changing decisions at that point. Amen. And that's where the spiritual power, confidence, and strength comes into us. Um, And, you know, he says, keep my commandments. He hooks that in there, and we will come and abide with you. But what he's saying is, if you keep my commandments, you're coming into an agreement with me. When you come into an agreement with me, you're com- you're canceling an agreement with the enemy. 
So when we get, agree with the lie that I'm no good, I'm stupid, I'm a sinner, I'm bad, I'm never going to make it, it's up to me, i got to get better, i got to do it myself, you've given the devil all kinds of operating privileges in your life. But when you say, um, uh, he says, he who has in uh, John 14, you know, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, you believe in God, believe also in me, and in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And But the way is through faith. The way is through knowing that Jesus doesn't lie. And then he says in verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by me, by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So in other words, they are going to come and dwell in us to keep us in perfect peace. It says, Isaiah 26, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Now here's the deal. I cannot stay my mind on anything without the help of the Holy Spirit. I have to right. say, Holy Spirit, you deal with this anxiety. You deal with this fear, this panic. And it would be nice. I think, Joanne, isn't it better to deal with it when you're not in the middle of a full-blown panic attack? When do you oh, yeah, yeah. Just you right now? And there's say, a okay. real difference between being in the midst of a full-blown attack and thinking about it later. But now when you read that and say, let not your heart be troubled, mm-hmm. we, Jesus is saying there that there's a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the choice is always the choice. Who are you going to believe? You know, it all starts with a belief. It all starts with, with the what we believe. Are we going to believe the lie that I'm alone? This world is terrible. I've just had nothing but bad breaks. Um, nobody loves me. God doesn't care. Look at where he's left me. He's abandoned. Are we going to believe what God says? You know, so many people live their life on their feelings. What it feels like, and that isn't just about panic attacks. That's everything. Oh, I feel good. Oh, I feel bad. And we base our our, our well-being and our sense of peace, peace of mind, on how we're feeling. Do you realize how quickly your feelings can be wrecked? You can have the wrong blood sugar levels for five minutes and you feel bad. You can wear shoes that are too tight and you feel bad. You can miss your turn and you feel bad. You can get a fat, flat tire and you feel bad. I mean, we cannot base our worth, our destiny, our goodness, our value on how we feel because the devil can stir your feelings like you stir a, a, a bowl of water. I mean, you just stir it around and it's all sloshed around. It has to become based, our worth has to be based on something much more stable than feelings. It has to be on the fact of God's faithfulness. So Let's talk about the child who, you know, suffered some kind of abuse. And Mm -hmm. Satan came along and offered a protector demon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tell me about that. Well, how does that work? That's part of that. I'm, you know, I'm all alone, mm-hmm. but a friendly voice came mm-hmm. into my mind that said, "Hey, I can help. I will help protect you." Mm-hmm. Now, a child doesn't recognize that as a demon, and they hold mm-hmm. on to it then for many years. Mm-hmm. But then, as they start to pray it through. As an adult, they're looking back, they're finding it's very difficult to make the decision to say, I'm going to let go of that. 
It's like a drug. Sort of like a drug. Kind of only it's well, a demon. Then it, it, it's a it's someone who is stronger than I am. Mm-hmm. It says he's going to help, and mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be abused again. I don't or ever want to be sexually abused or physically abused. Mm-hmm. And this friend of mine, they don't even really see it as a demon, no. but this friend of mine is going to help me. It, and it's a, yeah. And maybe they don't even recognize that that little voice they're hearing mm-hmm. isn't them. Isn't you them? Know, Mm-hmm. You know how you hear a, a little voice in your mind, and you think, mm-hmm. "Well, that's just me." I've yeah, always self-talk. That way. Yeah, self-talk. I know, I know. We're kind of comforting ourselves, talking to ourselves, and, but like you're saying, the fruit of that thing is how you identify it. It, it. The fruit, Jesus said, "By their fruits you shall know them." So, if that protector, demon, false benefactor, uh, friend, babysitter gatekeeper, warden, prison guard from hell, whatever he wants, comes in sounding like help, sounding good, sounding positive, comforting, um, and plays right into your feelings of being alone, terrified, helpless. I think helpless is a big one. And so it's a spirit of control. You know, fear is on the one side and taking care of you, this demon, this other protector demon coming to take care of you. You're right. People say that's just me. Oh, I've had I've talked like that to my I've know that this is that's just me. Yeah, it is just me, and just me is not you. You are not a me. You are an I am, made by the great I am. So, how do you get rid of that? What do you do? I mean, it's like having to give up drugs, isn't it? It's like having to give up your addiction. It's yeah. an, a crutch well, to a. It's having to face the fear of I will be totally alone if I give uh-huh. this up. And of course, the answer to that is Jesus said. My father and I will take up our abode with you. No way will you be alone. Right, right. But do we believe that? So, because Well, that's the thing. We, here, now we come up against our belief system. And our feelings. Because we still can feel lonely, abandoned, misunderstood, alienated, rejected, um, plotted against. And I believe if, if Satan sees any of his captives trying to make a break for freedom... He will set up scenarios where they will be lured back into the prison, into the cell, into the lie. For example, if you're making a break and you know that Jesus loves you and you want to walk in that freedom, and then all of a sudden you get out into your other everyday world and you see all kinds of things falling down all around you, your your, your support systems, your finances, your marriage, your whatever. You see everything falling down, people accusing you, um, things going bad, bad, wrong, wrong, wrong. You are trained to say, uh-oh, the reason I'm getting slammed and slapped is because I am stepping out against, you know, the liar. So you just come back, submit, be quiet, don't read your Bible anymore because that just gets me in trouble, blah, blah, blah. And so he's trying to, and so we don't understand that there is a battle, really. for When you're making a break for freedom and walking in the truth, it's not just like, okay, I believe Jesus, yay, who? There's a walk, walking it out. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's a very and and it can be a very long walk. Mm-hmm. Let's talk for a minute about the chronically anxious person, the person who wakes up mm-hmm. uh, worrying Can't get out of every bed, morning, paralyzed. Kind of you know, I think that there are many people who 
because they've been sleeping, they've kind of let their guard down, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Satan attacks every right. morning. Let's right, talk and about then they... those people. Well, I, I know some people like that. Um, I think you're exactly right. That, number one, the battle has been long and ferocious, and I think some they, you know, they were probably on some sort of, or already are on some sort of medication because of the fact that they have these chronic anxiety attacks, especially in the morning. You're looking at another day. You're exhausted. Don't want to get out of bed. Um, overwhelmed, and these medications have probably already caused their bodies to be toxic. Um, they're not. Their livers are not detoxifying them properly. So you've got all that internal sludge, uh, which is which is you know it's like um, your neurological electrical systems are being um, uh, you know obstructed because the the clear the, the the copper wiring is not clear. It's not clean. It's not allowing the the flow of that current, so to speak, in an analogy, into your system because it's all blocked up with crud and corrosion and blah blah blah. So you've got that anxiety. And you feel the oppression, like there's something on your chest, paralyzed, can't get up. Then you freak out and panic. And then you, if you're a Christian, um, you're saying, well, this shouldn't be happening to me. Um, I, right. should be, I, I should be doing something. So you get up and you wear yourself out trying to pace the floor or even sometimes praise God, resist the devil. You wear yourself out and it doesn't work. And the devil sits in the corner and mocks you because you're not you know, falling right into his plan to wear yourself out trying to get God to help you when it's much simpler to just say it like this, Lord, I can't do this. Holy Spirit, I am no match for the devil. He is mocking me. He's sitting on my chest. He's creating, he's freaking me out. He's messing with my neurological systems. He's the spirit of anxiety in my lungs, in my brain. And Lord, I ask you to remove him. I resist. Use the word. I submit to you, Lord God. I resist the lie. I resist the devil's effort to manhandle me, to pin me, to keep me down. Lord, you are my defender. You're my strong tower. You're my refuge. I can't do this. The more you submit to God, which means surrender to God, then resist the devil. Don't try to go off and resist the devil with all your fancy um, spiritual activities and uh, whatever. You know, people do that, but it wears you out. Then you become, I, then you, you get worn out in the fight. I'm not going to fight. I am going to submit to God, resist the devil, and let God deal with him. I am no match for the enemy. And so I think people, because they're, it's like you're drowning. When you're drowning, what are you going to do? You're going to slap and flap the water and flap your hands and kick and scream and try to save yourself. And in the right. process, you're wasting all kinds of energy um, and you know, somebody does come to rescue you, and you beat them away because you don't even rest to receive their rescue. And so sometimes they have to knock you out before they can get you to shore because your your body right. is in such a pres- self-preservation mode that you're you're just freaking out. And the same with the panic attack. You're freaking out. you got to stop the freak out. And then the post-traumatic stress of all that is, oh, no, it could happen again. You know what? You belong to the Lord. The Lord doesn't let anything happen to us that he's not able to deliver us out of ever. You know, God is my deliverer, always. He is the ultimate, the only, and he loves me. And so some people do get caught up in that freak out mode and try to save themselves. 
Others go into a, a give up mode, I think, and just, you know, uh, turn their face to the wall and want to die. So what, how would you help someone like that? How would you well, as a helper come in? Um, I think that there's a difference between what I would call acutely panicked mm-hmm. um, and someone who's uh, chronically anxious mm-hmm. and dealing with this every single day. Uh-huh. Uh, and of course, there is only one answer. The answer is that mm-hmm. God has to get through to you. Um, mm-hmm. He does. There's he will. so many issues. I know that I, I see. You know, first of all, we're saying perfect love casts out fear, mm-hmm. and we're. We're having to um, deal with the person's image of God. Mm-hmm. Who is God? Is he real? Is he loving? Can I trust what he's saying? Did he really write this book? Yeah. This book, um, I've been told that this book is just a lot of allegory. Um, oh, I- <laughs> how can I really base my life on this well, uh, on what's being said here. Somebody um, asked me that question. I'm afraid I'm going to die. Die? Someone asked me that question just, just two days ago. How can I know the, that the Bible is real? And I said to them, I asked them, and you're right, there's a lot of questions, a lot of a lot of confusion. I says, well, uh, who who wrote the Bible? Or who claims to have written the Bible? And well, they say, well, God, or you know, supposedly God. I said, well, does God lie? And most people cannot call God a liar. That's built right into you to know that God doesn't lie. And they said, no. I said, well, does the devil tell the truth? And they said, no. I said, then why would you believe the devil who is a liar and not believe God who says who cannot lie and you know he cannot lie? So you have to just at some point say, okay, enough of this. I'm not going to figure this out. It's already been figured out. God doesn't lie, and the devil doesn't tell the truth. So I'd be stupid to believe the liar and think I'm going to get the truth out of him. I will get a, con- a counterfeit. And, and So going back to the person with lots of issues, their concept of God, you're absolutely right. But it, it, they're simple. And even though there's a lot of symptoms and there's a lot of you know sh- stuff, you know like where did this first start and blah, 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 and where did I first get to believe this lie, I really believe that it begins with going back to the Word of God. And and let me just encourage you. I know we're sort of running out of time, but I want to say a couple more things, Joanne. I know you've got some real uh, deep work that you're, things you're writing for people in this uh, situation, uh, even prayers and things that will will be available to them. Um, I know that we have, in Life Recovery, I have a CD called... um, Fear, Anxiety, and Panic Attacks. Uh, You can buy it on the store, and it helps people to get to the lies on that. But I I just, let's go back to the remedy God gives in Philippians. He says, um, he says, therefore, my beloved, chapter 4, verse 1 of Philippians, my beloved, my longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. And then he goes on to say, 
verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And he says, in one place, says, in everything give thanks. Can you give thanks to God in the midst of this panic attack? Because that really brings your focus back onto putting it at, at God's doorstep. Let your right. gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. He's right there. He's with us. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything, in, in the middle of a panic attack, in the middle of a collapse, in the middle of a whatever, in the middle of a suffocation, I can't breathe, by prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Be thankful. Begin to turn your eyes towards the positive, towards the Lord. And it says, and then the peace of God, which is exactly what you need, which surpasses or goes beyond understanding or immediate experience, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. God doesn't want us to be of an anxious mind. If the devil can get your hypothalamus to communicate danger, 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 when instead your Holy, the Holy Spirit inside you is going to say, rebuke it, resist it, submit to God, cancel out, say no. And this is very simple say, no, you won't, devil. You will, you spirit of fear, you spirit of anxiety, you spirit of panic, you will not, no, you will not, in the name of Jesus Christ, back off, go to the pit. I reject your counsel. You can't touch me. Get your grubby hands off my respiratory system. I plead the blood of Jesus over my lungs. I take the sword of God's word and I cut you off. Now, Lord Jesus, you said you've given me power over all the power of the enemy. You enforce it because I've just done what you said to do. Now the rest is up to you. And then so you submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So we do that through thanksgiving and through rejoicing. And as you start to get do all that, you're not going to have an anxious mind. Because even though the world around you is collapsing with anxiety, it's not going to affect you. So, Joanne, tell me a little bit more about, um, oh, one more thing on this verse. I've got to read this part. Verse 8, this is another key. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, here's the deal. When you, whatever you meditate on, I've heard, becomes cemented into or part of your long-term memory. It becomes part of the right. filter through which you see everything. The new experiences right. are filtered through this old memory filter. So if we're thinking and watching the evening news, watching the latest terror, going on Facebook, seeing all the tragedies, not that we have to avoid and live in a cocoon, but I don't go out and look for these things. I believe the things I'm supposed to know about will come to me. But think on lovely, lovely things, pure things, good things, hopeful things, good report, bless people. Um, I know the battle. If people want to deny it, avoid it, escape it. I get that. But just deal with it and then go on. You know, if God says bind, then bind. If he says loose, then loose. If he says praise, praise. Just, okay, God, this, and here's the big bottom line. God, say this to the Lord. This panic attack is your problem. The devil is testing your workmanship in me to see if he can crack me. Now, Lord, it's up to you to keep me because I belong to you. And I, I really believe if we start using those kind of uh, responses to the enemy, no matter what it is, it can be a panic attack, it can be a financial crisis, you begin to apply the Word of God that way, you will rest. Whether you see something right away or not, doesn't matter. You just rest. I think that's the way to it, go. What do you see? So true. And so I think that scripture memory has become 
so important in my life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in the lives of the people that um, I've been trying to help. If you don't know the word, how are you going to stand on the word? Mm-hmm. How are you going to, in the middle of a panicky situation, mm-hmm. r- remember what a, w- what God said unless you have already put it into your mind? We have a website called wordblessings.com. And on mm-hmm. that site, we sell scripture memory cards that are cards that we have used our photography and put a scripture on the front and a little lesson on the back. And a lot of those are about fear. Mm-hmm. Scripture memory is so important, and it's not something that's really encouraged in our church. Mm-hmm. Those are beautiful cards. I've seen them. And, you know, I was just thinking that'd be an awesome Christmas gift for someone that you love. You know, people get, I, they got everything, but they don't got the right things. You know, I don't know if you ever sell them as gift sets or whatever you might do, but um, what a deal because they're they're beautiful. The, the photography is exquisite. And then, of course, these scriptures on the back, what a fun way to to memorize or give the gift of scripture to people. Um, and I know that, so that's word blessings. Dot right. com. Right? All, all, all on uh, word, word, oh. word blessings. W o r d word blessings. Dot com. Wow. Yeah. And then I know you do minister to people. Um, and I know that. Do you have any um, contact information, Joanne? Where, like, say, if people did have questions, or um, you know, things that they yeah, wanted to talk right to you the, about. Right. Right on the website, you'll find our contact okay. information. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. yeah. And oh, and then another thing, just kind of a commercial here at the end. Um, for those of you who are listening today, if you have any um, other questions, go to her. Do you have an email there as well? They they can email you. Yep, it's all on there. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And then, um, so on. The, I also want to say that on November fourteenth, uh, we're going to be doing a another conference, free, open to the public, called Decoding. The Lies, the Book of Lies, Decoding the Book of Lies, and the many lies that we believe that cause us to obviously get into all these tangles. And it's going to be at Rogers at the Holiday Inn. And you can sign up online. Real simple. Just go to liferecovery.com. There's a big big button where you can push sign in. It's no cost, but we do need to have the numbers so we can make sure we have the space that we need. And, um, yeah, we're excited about that. starts at 9 in the morning. Rogers in Holiday Inn clock from nine to three, and in the after I know Joanne, you're probably going to try to be there. I think you you you'd be a, yeah, they'd already. like to meet yep. you, and um, we will do in the afternoon. Usually we do what we call demonstrations, where we actually pray for people um, to you know with various elements, issues, crises, situations, so everybody can kind of benefit from that because it's amazing how many people have kind of the same things going on. Uh, maybe they look a little different on the outside, but bottom line, they're pretty much all the same. So this has been awesome, Joanne. Is there anything else you want to say in, in kind of wrapping up or uh, encouragement for the people that you've, uh, you know, especially those with panic attacks? There is an answer. You know, you are not stuck in the fear. This, this can come to an end and God is wanting it to come to an end you do not have to believe that I'm just I, I'm just going to be stuck here in my house and in my bed 
for the rest of my life. But I'm going to get out my Bible today, and I'm going to find out what God has to say about this. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to search these scriptures and read them slowly and carefully and digest every word that he says about fear. And, you know, he just loves you. He doesn't want you to be going through what you're doing. He doesn't want you to be fearful and panicky, but he wants you because the fruit of the Spirit with him is love and joy and peace. Mm-hmm. That's what you're looking for, love and joy and peace. Why Amen. wouldn't you grab for it? Amen. It's to- It's so good. It's so good. Jesus is so, so good, even though what we've experienced is a lot of persecution because, of course, the devil hates us and him. Um, yes, I agree with you. Hey, and if you guys uh, want counseling, I know, like I said, Joanne, I know you do some of that. I also do counseling. Uh, go to the website, liferecovery.com. We have uh, an office in Crystal. We do counseling. And also, if you can't do counseling or can't afford it or whatever, we also have a church in Rogers at the Holiday Inn on Sunday mornings from 10 to about 12, 1230. And uh, you're welcome to come there. Uh, and so you can join with True Light Church. Uh, and we uh, are a little bunch, but very extremely powerful in the Lord. And so we'd love to have you join us. So, um, again, God bless you all. Thank you so much, Joanne. We might just have to do another show um, right. as as we go along here. And we uh, enjoyed your 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 uh, expertise, your counsel today, and those who joined us as well. So, Father God, we pray your blessings, your deliverance. We bind the spirit of fear. We bind the spirit of uh, the, fe- the fear that keeps even people from believing they can be set free. And we release the revelation of Jesus Christ into their mind, into their heart, into their lungs, into their respiratory system to cleanse and heal. Even now, Lord, let the healing touch of Jesus Christ minister deliverance to those who are listening. Uh, The revelation of Jesus Christ, I just declare that whoever listens to this who needs help, that there are those who will be healed from listening to this very broadcast and will never have another panic attack, never have another respiratory uh, upset, no more asthma, no more allergies, no more attacks of can't breathe, suffocation, fear, terror, dread, uh, freaking out in the name of Jesus Christ. Let it be done according to your will, Lord God, and for your glory. Amen. All right. God bless you all, and we'll talk to you soon. for yourself.